It's very interesting at times uh, in in my community. My community is an international community, so the, when uh, when we go to mass or when we pray or when we sing songs, we're often singing songs in foreign languages. So you're singing lyrics that you kind of understand and probably mispronounce regularly, you know. Uh, so it can be very interesting to hear what people actually say if they're singing in English, and then you can have a little listen and see what they're actually saying. Uh, we've all sorts of stories of kind of misheard lyrics or mispronounced lyrics, which can be absolutely hilarious, but it happens in English too, because uh, I remember um, during the, the divine praises, you know, when the priest says, uh, blessed be the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, and someone repeats, blessed be the Holy Spirit, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Apparently the Holy Spirit is blessed. Um, <laughs> or I remember uh, one, of our, one of our girls a couple of years ago, uh, I just, I, we were just going through the, 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 the joyful, or the, the glorious mysteries, and I said, so the assumption, someone explained the assumption, uh, and I explained, I picked a certain girl, and so, so in the mystery of the assumption, we assume that Mary is in heaven. <laughs> so, so at times we can have all sorts of misconceptions or uh, uh, misunderstandings like of, of, of what our faith teaches or of some, of, kind of some kind of basic things about our faith. And I think that that can also happen when it comes to Lent. Generally speaking, I mean, I was just talking to a, a group of uh, primary school kids earlier in the week, when it was it Monday, I think, and um, I said, what, what's Lent about? And now, admittedly, the teacher had done a great job in preparing them, but of, often we understand kind of the, maybe the biblical basis of it, or we understand some of the Bible stories, but we still don't get the heart of it. So I asked all these kids, they were from Dublin, uh, and I said, so what was, what's Lent about? And one the, you know, all the kids, all the, so, 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 all these hands shoot into the air. I said, okay, well, what's, what's Lent about? Uh, Jesus went into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. I said, good. Okay, Jesus went into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Absolutely fantastic. So why do we go up to chocolate? <laughs> What does that have to do? Where is the connection like between Jesus going to the desert 40 days and 40 nights and you giving up chocolate? Like, So, uh, then well, chocolate makes you fat. And I said, yeah, maybe, possibly. Too much of it might, yeah, okay. Any other, anything else we might give up? Anything else we might give up? And someone says, uh, might give up screens, which means, I presume, screens. Uh, so, yeah, we can give up screens, we can. We can give up screens. Um, screens, yeah, so maybe TV time, game time, phone time, go, yeah, yeah. But Why? And just blank looks on their faces. So it's like we have these traditions, which are again they're not bad. They're just not complete. They're just incomplete. But why do we give stuff up? And even in, in my day, I remember like it was it was just the done thing, and pretty much everyone did it. That the local shop wouldn't sell a bar of chocolate during Lent. I mean, all the kids would walk past and look in, kind of longingly, like what's his name, the fella in Willy Wonka whatever the young fella's name is, Charlie. Yeah, like we, we, we walk past the, sh- the sweet shop like Charlie and Willie Wonka and just stare into the window and maybe someday we'll have a bar of chocolate again. That's what it was like in my youth during Lent. Nobody ate chocolate. It was like it was dead serious. And then at the end of it, at the end of Lent, you got one Easter egg and we're delighted with it. Now kids give up nothing and get 15 Easter eggs. <laughs> so... But it's just, it's interesting, it's, and it's important to get back to the, the, the why, the why, the why, the heart of what we're doing here. Otherwise, the traditions on their own will quickly appear quite ridiculous, if I'm honest. So you're giving up chocolate, okay, or you're giving up screens, okay, you're giving up, you know, you decide to take on helping people, okay. Why? Why do we do this? 
Because if it's not clear, it's a bit, a bit pointless. Okay, or, or we kind of we divert these this 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 season of of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and we divert it to a kind of a, a kind of in a kind of a humanist direction, where we give up chocolate because it's not healthy, and we take up exercise because that makes that's good for our bodies, and you know we help neighbors because that's a good thing to do. Okay, again, none of that's wrong, but the heart is completely missing there because there's no mention of grace. There's no mention of Easter. There's no mention of, of any, anything deeper than just being a nice person and trying to be healthy. Again, they're not bad things in and of themselves, but we've missed the point. The church proposes three areas to look at uh, in the season of Lent. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Uh, and these are... They're age-old. This goes back to the Jews. Like this is, this is, this is a, an age-old practice of having a season, a time of the year, where we focus more on prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And just to cut to the chase, to like, what is the point of all of this? The reason we pray, the reason we fast, and the reason we give, the reason we try to give more generously, is so that whatever we give away, whatever kind of vacuum is created in our lives whatever is now lacking I mean if you spend three or four hours a day on your phone now you decide to give up your phone you now have three or four hours more in your day what do you do with all that what do you do with this extra time what do you do with 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 um, this place that used to be dedicated to gaming or food or or alcohol or whatever it was what do we do that the whole point of Lent is that whatever sacrifice we make, we learn to fill that gap with God. That's the point. That's the point. So you're giving up food, not because certain foods are bad, but because we want to choose a greater good. So I give up, I fast from food, so that God can take that place. I give up gaming, so that now I might have some more time to pray. We serve others because God loves them, and maybe God wants to, to help love them through me. I want to be a vehicle of love and service for others. But God's love through me to them. So the whole point of Lent is, is, is kind of pruning something back or giving something away so that God can give something to me, that I can be filled with God, so I'm less filled of my, with myself. Whereas if the focus is you know, to lose weight or the focus is to get healthy, that's actually... Self-focused. So that's not what Lent is about. Lent isn't about focusing on ourselves. In fact, if anything, it's about taking the focus off ourselves for once and onto God. So when I pray, I'm now spending time with God. When I fast, I'm doing so out of love for God so that he might take that space. And when I give alms, especially if, if my resources are limited and maybe my alms giving might, might require my time, might require my treasure, or it might require my talents, but either way I have, to, I have to give something, and ideally without getting anything in return. So what we would, what we would hope to get in return is a more profound relationship with God. Might I suggest this Lent, focusing on, on something, which I'm not sure if I've ever said it like this before, but... Uh, just again, reading today's gospel, there's one point, there's one aspect of Lent which I think gets very much, or very easily overlooked. In our gospel, we hear these, these beautiful words from 
from Matthew where the Lord himself speaks, okay? And he, he's telling us how to, how to fast, and he's, he's telling us to do these things in secret. When you give alms, your left hand must not know what your right hand is doing. Your alms must be in secret, and your Father who, knows all those, who sees all that's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not imitate the hypocrites. They love to say the prayers so everyone will think they're amazing. I tell you solemnly, they've had their reward. But when you pray, go to your private room. And when you've shut your door, pray to your father who's in that secret place. And your father, who sees all is done in secret, will reward you. And similarly, when you fast, do so in such a way that people don't know. You know, again, like, like we said yesterday, you know, don't go around the place and say, I'm just going to, I'm just fasting today and uniting it silently to the cross. You know, I'm just, just doing a bit of fasting, you know, for world peace. If world peace happens, it'll be because of me. And my fasting, but I'm just uniting it silently with the cross. So just don't mind me, <laughs> you know. So you know you've had your reward, uh, but in order to do this, this, this in, in in a hidden fashion. And I think a key word in all of this, and a key word, I think, even just as I was praying about this morning, a key word to, to renew Irish spirituality. I think, and maybe even more globally, but definitely in our experience here in Ireland, I think a key thing to get us back on track is the, the concept, the idea, the reality of solitude. Healthy solitude. Where it is enough for me to be with the Lord. It's enough for me to have him. Because it, I mean, it, it happened in our history as well. It happens even today uh, in different parishes that you know, those who have the role of, of leading the rosary will take the head off anyone else who tries to lead the rosary. Hold on a second. You're praying. It's not about you leading the rosary. It's about the rosary being prayed. It's about God being praised. It doesn't matter if it's Bridie or Teasy or Betty. Who cares? Do you know, someone please lead the rosary. It doesn't matter who. Let us pray. Do you know what I mean? So, so this can happen too, where, where we're, we're leading, but it really is actually about us. We're serving, but it's really actually about us. We're preaching or teaching, but it's really actually about us. And so solitude gets a very, very bad reputation, I think. Solitude, I think, is often associated with rejection. Solitude might be associated with, with hurt or with, with uh, not being considered good enough. Solitude might be associated with maybe a failed relationship, you know, a father-son, father-daughter relationship where, where or in a romantic relationship, and then you end up alone. And generally speaking, we human beings are terrified of being alone. Because loneliness, I mean, it's not, really, it's not our natural state. We're, we're made to be in, in communion, in community. And even God himself, the Lord himself, like he chooses 12 apostles from the same place, not scattered around uh, Israel or Judah. Uh, but 12, they were, they were together, they, went, they moved together, they worked together, they went to Central Mountain Twos. So, so he didn't create a, a, a church of hermits that lived alone in an isolated fashion. Uh, he created a community. So how do we balance this, this, this solitude and community? I think we have to renew our understanding or repair our understanding of solitude. Sister Claire Crockett, her, her motto or her kind of spiritual principle, which was given to her by Father Raphael, her superior, was alone with Christ alone. 
alone with Christ alone. Maybe the word alone there is twice, so it sounds again a bit negative, but, but, but again, focus on, on the reality. What, what, what are we talking about here? You're alone, but you're with the Lord. So you're actually not alone. It's like saying to somebody you love, you know, let's go away together, let us be alone. It's kind of a contradiction in terms, because if you're, you're not alone if you're with someone. But let us be alone. So you're away from everybody else, but you're not actually alone. And if we can learn to live solitude like that, that, that renews, that re- completely restores our, our prayer life. And it takes away our fear of... It, it removes this, this, yeah, this fear of isolation, this fear of rejection from being alone, from solitude. Because in this solitude now, it just means that I can go into the chapel and actually be joyful and think, my goodness, I get to be with you, Lord. And it's just wonderful. And there's nobody looking and there's no one applauding. And there's no one saying, aren't you fantastic now for going to the chapel? Aren't you an amazing little young person? God bless you. You're fantastic. There's none of that. Because no one knows you even went in. And you're just there, alone with Christ alone. And your Father, who sees everything that is done in secret, will reward you. So then your, your, your prayer, your prayer leads you to this, this wonderful, intentional solitude with the Lord. Your fasting leaves you to this beautiful, intentional solitude with the Lord. And your almsgiving, whatever you, you, you give, whether it's, as I said, treasure, time, or talent, whatever we give unites us in this solitude with the Lord. And that way, then, nothing, nothing is wasted. And even though it's a season, yes, of, of, of pruning back, it's not lonely. It's not actually even negative. I'm discovering the heart of God who loves me more than anything. I'm discovering the heart of God who thinks I'm worth dying for. I'm discovering the heart of God who shows me my value, my worth. I'm shown, I, I, I live in this, this heart of God that shows me who I am. He reveals man to man. He reveals you to yourself. Because seeing yourself as God sees you, that's the truth. Seeing yourself of other, as others have seen you or rejected you or loved you conditionally or whatever else was there, that's not the truth. You may believe it is the truth, but it's, it's not. Seeing yourself as God sees you is the truth. So solitude can be a wonderful, wonderful gift. Alone with Christ alone. And then... I think this Lent could be such a beneficial time for each one of us. As we spend time with the Lord and he consoles us and he listens to us and he just gives us rest. He just calls us away from all that busyness and constant distraction. He says, just come and be with me. I tell you solemnly, they've had their reward if they parade their prayer, fasting or almsgiving. But when you pray, go to your private room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in that secret place. And your Father who sees all that is done in secret will reward you. May the Lord draw us into this intentional solitude with him this Lent. And there may we discover his heart. Amen.